For many years now, World of Mirth has been an iconic part of the Carytown neighborhood here in Richmond, Virginia. Packed full of curiosities for minds of all ages, its existence has brought both continued life to Carytown and excitement to any whom enter its location. And for the past decade of its existence, Thea Brown has been the woman charged with managing its day-to-day operations and keeping those shelves stocked with fun and unique items. In this episode, we will talk with Thea about how she got involved with World of Mirth, what she looks for in finding the products that make up the store's inventory, and keeping up the legacy the store earned after the passing of its founder, Catherine Harvey. Uh, when did you become, uh, what, are you the general manager? I'm the buyer and the general manager. Okay. And I started working at the store in 2004, uh, store manager, and Catherine had me doing a little bit of buying, and then after um, 2006, when she passed away, I just took over everything. And so initially, that store had started out above um, Exile. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct, on Great Street. Yeah, and it was like, had no kid stuff. It was almost like a adult toy store, kind of. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of. It was very kitschy, and she had um, some vintage furniture. You know, she would kind of go... She would shop and buy something new, but she would also find a lot of uh, things at yard sales and antique shops, and some of them she'd real poster, some of them she just really enjoyed in their natural state. And that's actually where I met Catherine, was when she was working there, and you know, I was a poor college kid, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, had very little money, if any, to spend, and I would always come up there and hang out and uh, check things out, and she liked, you know, bugs and amber, and like little weird, go-in-the-dark baby Jesuses, and every now and then I'd be able to afford something, but other than that, I just kind of went up there to, to talk to her and hang out. And then after they left that space, the world must move to Carytown, a block from where it is now, uh, it was on the same block as the Bird Theater, and it was much, much smaller, and again, still, you know, very kitschy, uh, very gifty store, and had for a while a tiki bar in the back, and they would do, um, like, espresso milkshakes, and um, some things like that. Uh, they had a little train that would travel around the ceiling, like the edge oh, of the wow. floor. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> but when she became pregnant with Stella, her first child, she kind of realized that there weren't any cool, kid-friendly toy stores in the area. You know, all the ones you'd go to right. had, you know, glass shelving or you weren't really allowed to play and come in and have a good time. And she was just like, you know, that's something that we need, basically. We need a toy store for kids of all ages, you know, from infant to grown-up, where people can come in and play and have a good time and, and not feel, you know, kind of chastised for, for wanting to play in a toy store. Right. If you want to get good toys for your kids, you've traditionally been forced to make this choice of, like, do I want to go to this, like, don't touch anything toy store, uh-huh. <laughs> or do you want to go to, like, Toys R Us, which is the exact opposite, and if you're trying to raise a child in a way that's alternative to maybe the more fast food kind of aspects of the toy culture, it's, it's kind of hard to find fun things that are really cool, yet yet they're, they're useful for the kid, like they help the kid flourish and that kind of thing. When they moved into toys... Was it was it something they just brought in gradually, or was it something that, uh, like, just overnight, boom? Well, when they moved to um, when we moved to where we are now, um, which is the bigger space, and we've been there since 1999, the whole concept was 
choice for kids of all ages. So they kept a lot of, you know, some of the things they had in a much, much tinier space, but then mm-hmm. also started ordering and bringing in toys for that right then and there. As you walk into the store, you know, it's painted, uh, very retro, uh, very vintage. Um, so everything that she brought in kind of went with that vibe to be very visually stimulating, yet fun. And for a really long time, you know, before the interwebs got to be a thing, it was really difficult to find a lot of things that we had in the store, which kind of made, I think, the job then a, a bit easier to kind of find unique and fun things that are also kid-powered and slightly educational. Like, I think the best educational toys are the ones where you don't know that you're learning something. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's just fun, and you want to do it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. When I took over, um, I was really terrified of changing anything from the way that it had been going. But, you know, I'm lucky that I have a similar aesthetic to Catherine. But I've become involved with a couple uh, independent toy um retailer associations and kind of finding things that, you know, are more a little more educational but still quirky and fun for us. And of course not everything in the store is, is educational. We sell with the cushions, we sell all kinds of you know, anything that parts. Um right. I think mean, could be a learning experience, I guess. <laughs> um, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, you know, I can find things that are good for kids with special needs that kind of help you think a little bit outside the box and still kind of fit into our very uh, unique and kind of tongue-in-cheek aesthetic. But that's kind of been like a a really fun yet sometimes aggravating search. (laughs) I can imagine. The employees that are there, they tend to stick around for a while. Yeah, Um, it it is true. Yeah, we do. For a a retail job, we do have very low turnover, which, um, you know, sometimes I think when people come in and, you know, ask if we're hiring and we're kind of like, well, no, not right now. I think sometimes they, you know, think we're kidding, but it's true. It's very rare that we do have openings. I think one of the things I got from Catherine was that, you know, she told me right from the beginning, you know, I I can't pay you a ton of money, but I can treat you well while you're here and make sure that you still have time to have a life. So that's something that, you know, I have always tried to kind of maintain with, my staff, I, w- I want them to want to come to work and I want them to be happy and feel that they're appreciated. You know, sometimes that's really easy to kind of overlook when you're working somewhere. You don't always have somebody that's looking out for you or um, trying to help you when you can, when they can. Or, um, you know, for around the holidays, I've worked retail for a really long time and um, it, it was never a consideration of, you know, somebody needing a break or maybe, you know, needing a snack or something like that. So, you know, I do things just kind of like I'll, I'll buy a bunch of food and a bunch of snacks and a bunch of drinks and it's just there for everybody. I think that's one of the reasons that people stay for so long. Also, you know, we when you're at a toy store, you're going to have fun. <laughs> right. You can tell who their employees are because they're generally the happiest people <laughs> in the store. Like, like I'm, I'm not kidding. You know what I mean? Because, like, you yeah. know, I mean, it's... it's I think the buying public enjoys going to it, but generally you've got other obligations. If you have a kid, going to a toy store can be a nightmare. I mean, it's simultaneously fun, (laughs) but it's also quit touching that. No, we can't get that. You know, if you're sitting there trying to calculate what you can afford and all this stuff, and, yeah, literally your employees are like, they're the people smiling, asking if you need help. Um, Well, you know, it's funny. I've I've 
try to tell people um, this is one of the only places that I've ever worked where I can come in and I can, you know, I can, you know, say if I'm coming into work or something, and one of my employees is laying on the floor playing with the kids. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that's we, great. Yeah, we want people to come in and be happy, and you know, obviously we're ecstatic when people buy things, but we also want people to feel like they can just kind of come and have a good time and. Um, you know, there are people that bring their kids in almost every single day, and they just come in and hang out and play at the play tables. They know all my staff by name, and, um, you know, when it's birthday and holiday time, they, you know, do purchase things. But we just kind of like having that sense of community where we want you to come in and have fun and, you know, just play. Be, have a, be a kid in a toy store, basically. <laughs> That's yeah. very cool. So in your years of doing it, how long have you been doing this now? Well, since I've been at World of Merch since 2004. Mm-hmm. When did you start taking over buying? 2004, beginning of 2005. And that was just little things like, you know, we used to sell Paul Frank. So I ordered all the Paul Frank, and I would order candy, and I would order Hello Kitty. Mm. So just a few things, you know, but it was one of those things where it kind of took a little bit of things off of Catherine's plate um, and kind of gave me a little bit more understanding to the business side of things. I, you Mm. know, come from a, a management background. I didn't really know about ordering or any of those things. And luckily, you know, she did kind of prepare me for that. And then in 2006 is when I took over full-time ordering for everything. I guess I've got two questions related to that. And one would be, what have you seen change? Because that was kind of pre-internet commerce. I mean, like, I mean, there was, it existed, but not the way it does now. No, but yeah, we also, didn't have Instagram back then. <laughs> as internet commerce is kind of increased, I think also I would guess that there's been an increase in the specialization of toys, like the, um, like there's probably a, a larger availability of more interesting kind of alternative toys. Is that, is that assumption wrong? Uh, that's not a wrong assumption. There are some really great, cool things out there. Um, when I don't know if you recall a few years ago when uh, they started finding a lot of uh, lead in the paint of toys from China, like mostly yeah. you know Play School, Fisher Price, all the very cheap toys that you get in right. as you said before, like fast food kind of toy stores. Um, right. With that, they passed a ton of new regulations. On um, the import side or in China? Well, it's it's for the U.S. So if you okay. are a toy that's going to be sold to somebody under the age of 13 in the U.S., the Consumer Products Safety Initiative of America, <laughs> the CPSIA, um, has all these regulations and there's all this required testing. Now, a lot of the really cool toys um, that we get, or um, there's a few you know, really awesome American-made companies that are just fantastic, um, but then a lot of the more specialty kind of things you do find from Europe or you find from Japan. The European standards of testing of safety are much, much higher than the U.S. Mm-hmm. requirements, but the U.S. does not accept those anymore. So you have to pay for extra testing just to sell your product in the U.S. And a lot of wow. those companies, uh, it's expensive and it's third party, um, so those companies can kind of charge, you know, whatever they want for testing. So a lot of those companies just decided not to be able to come to the U.S. anymore. So that wow. was one thing. Yeah, and it was really... Uh, Sad because there were so many great, you know, wooden toys that were, you know, water-based lacquer and really kind of kinetic and fun. And the companies are just like, you know, we already do a ton of testing. We're not going to pay the extra money. And then on the flip side of that, the companies that actually got in trouble 
for the lead in their paint, lobbied. <laughs> and um, don't have to, they're not required to get that testing done anymore. So well, this explains why my daughter's German fire truck cost like a hundred something yeah. dollars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's one a French company that I love and we used to get a lot of like tea pairing stuff from them and all this beautiful stuff and you know, it was it was pretty mid range back then, you know, might be thirty five dollars or something like that. And, you know, they were saying, Well, yeah, we could you know, we could come back to the US but your thing that's thirty five dollars is gonna probably cost about a hundred. Now, and nothing's changed with it. They just try have to offset the cost of the testing. Right, so, cause they, yeah, because they have to pay for that. <laughs> right, yeah, they have to pay for it. And where is it going to come from? It's going to come from the consumer side. Um, but um, so that's something that's kind of changed um, in, in the years that I've been buying. And then, obviously, with Amazon, you know, you can – a lot of times people don't understand if they come in and say, well, this is $5 cheaper on Amazon. I'm like, well, yeah, you're buying it from somebody who's warehoused it, has absolutely no employees, very little overhead, and they're shipping it to you. They're just trying to sell quantity not, you know, quality. If you try to ask them a question about it, how it works, what it does, they're not going to be able to tell you that. So that's kind of a, a weird misconception about that side of the toy, uh, just toy uh, companies, you know, um, on the Internet. And we do get people that come in and want to try to figure out how something works, and they'll pick our brain, and then they're like, oh, okay, cool, we'll go order it at home. You know, like, you just wasted all my time. Um, you yeah. know, I, I train on my staff. They know you can ask them a question about anything in the store, and they can tell you. Or you can come and say, "Hey, I have a three-year-old with special needs. They like sensory toys. They don't like flashing lights." And you know, we can point you in, in those directions. Um, so it, it's really—I don't think people really understand how offensive that can be. <laughs> no, I know, and you know, I've, I've, I, I, I actively understand that I can buy something cheaper online. But I actively also understand, as someone that's run businesses, that those people aren't standing there giving right. <laughs> yeah. this information for free. Like, And so I understand that, like, what price I will pay more, I'm literally giving to that person for giving me that information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that this? seems like a good trade, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I don't shop online, um, you know, so I'm one of those kind of anomalies because, you know, before I started working at the store, I worked for a pretty, not a huge chain, but, you know, it was a chain retail store, and um, I didn't really understand the whole, you know, shop local, support your communities where your tax dollars go um, thing, but once I started working at World of Market, it was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, we do help pay for firefighters and schools and, you know, getting potholes fixed from sales tax. We do donate heavily to, you know, PTAs and uh, all kinds of nonprofits here in the city. And we enjoy being a part of our community and we want our community to be strong. But if you don't support your local stores, your local restaurants, then that's going to all go away, which, you know, has a domino effect on so many other things. Um, And you probably have air conditioning, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, because I had a friend that worked at Amazon's warehouse. They won't cut air con- They don't even put air conditioning in. Oh, God. Not here yeah. in the summer. Ooh, that's like a swamp. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, because they don't want to pay for it. Like, I mean, right. it's ridiculous. But, um, they don't, you know, don't hire people full-time either because they want to keep, you know, don't have to put right. lunch breaks and all that. But anyway, regardless. Yeah, um, you guys sell online now. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, um, we've, um, we've had an online store since 2000 and... 
uh, well, we've always had a website, and you could order some little baskets or something, but that didn't really uh, work out too well. And then um, I redid the website in 2007, so we started mm-hmm. with a web store then, yeah. Yeah, it seems like, that, though, that, like, the real, I mean, the experience of that store so much is just walking in and, like, being surrounded in it and, 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 and having fun. I mean, I guess, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's one of the things, like, uh, you know, my, I have a daughter, she's three and, uh, or three and a half now, and I had never really been to, like, a big box toy store since I was, like, nine or something like that. And so mm-hmm. um, it's all been world of mirth since, <laughs> you know, whatever. That was, like, the last toy store I've ever been in. Because I'd go in there when I didn't have a kid, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was crazy kind of, I guess, being spoiled with y'all and then actually walking back into like what I thought of a toy store as a kid, you know, like Mm -hmm. Toys R Us or something like that. And just seeing how like, like it was almost like creepy. Like it was so (laughs) like huge and just not like, like it, it seemed in my head a lot cooler, you know, like the experience I was having with the, with with the, with the toy store when I was like seven was awesome. And when I Mm -hmm. walk in, when I'm like 37, it's like just, it's just like Lowe's for toys, and you're just like yeah, it's very impersonal. Yeah, it's like a, right. a, a house with white shelves, and you know, um, and no personality. So, yeah, and and and, yeah. and it's just that fast food toy. Like I can't, like I'm literally like running down the aisles because the marketing is just so like like they just do something with like the arrangement arrangements of it that like you might not ever get out of this aisle alive with your kid without, like, <laughs> spending everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, if I – my nightmare would be, like, a Paw Patrol aisle and Toys R Us. <laughs> like, I don't know if I could get out of that. But um, but that's the great thing um, is, like, I, I love coming to your store and, and uh, you know, you have so much interesting – stuff that my mm-hmm. daughter's also into, you know, so she's like, oh, wow, that's really cool, and it kind of, like, expands her past this thing that, that her school friends have all, like, they've all decided that Paw Patrol is, like, the best thing in the world, so, like, that's what I'm dealing with, I'm buying, like, Paw Patrols, like, left and right, and yeah. um, it, it's just, oh, my God. But, well, it's funny, too, because now, uh, with a lot mm-hmm. of that licensed toy, they bring the toys out first, and then they start a cartoon or a toy, sh- like a TV show, after it, just so that they can sell the product. So you're and not that's the opposite able- of what used to happen. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you'd be like, oh my god, I love GI Joe. I wonder if they have any GI Joe figures. You know, and they would always come out later. But um, now it's there's you know no content. The content is just sales when it comes to a lot of that uh, licensed stuff, which is why we do very you know very little of it, and it tends to be more like you know Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, you know, some pop figures that might be a little bit more pop culture. Um, but we, you know, we don't do any of that kind of, uh, I would call it throwaway. <laughs> throwaway right. toys, like what you can get in a, you know, a Happy Meal somewhere. Where, yeah, they might be yeah. really cool because you like it, but then what's the play value of it? There's nothing. Um, or very little, you know, unless you're going like, to melt them down or, <laughs> or bury them in your backyard. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something too now where um, even 
you know, there's a big toy company that we order from, um, a little big for us. It's one of our bigger ones. And they usually had a lot of kind of retro inspired, very, very minimal battery powered things. And just to try to, um, you know, keep up, they started introducing some licensing merchandise. And it's, it's, a uh, you know, it's kind of sad to open the catalog that I used to be so excited about seeing when, you know, the new toy catalogs come out in like January and it's like, oh my God, I can't wait to get, you know, get into this. And then you open it and you're like, ah, oh, wah, wah. <laughs> um, well, at least for me, I'm sure there's some people that get super excited about it, but, you know, that kind of just doesn't really fit into what we do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I, when I was younger, um, you know, God Kmart was our thing when I was, younger in the 70s um so we would go there and i just remember being in the toy aisle and just being excited to be in the toy aisle because there were toys you know but it wasn't right. you know like nobody came up to talk to us nobody came up to you know hang out with us or, or play or ask us if we had any questions or anything we probably would have freaked out anyways a little but that was back in the time where you'd just be like yeah go to the toy section i'll pick you up when we're done shopping kind of thing um but yeah i just remember being you know surrounded by the toys but back then there really weren't so many choices um, no. Yeah, it's like Stretch Armstrong, maybe a Barbie, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. yo-yos, you know, kind of things like that where not everything was kind of, you know, uh, forced into a toy. Like you couldn't go into a bookstore and buy toys or, you know, go into, right. yeah, you know what I mean? So um, it's kind of interesting how that has morphed over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. So. <laughs> My mom, um, she was a toy buyer for a little while and she would go to New York to the big toy conference. Oh, yeah. That was, like, mm-hmm. her most favorite thing. Does that still exist? Does that still oh, yeah. Happen? I actually just got back from Toy Fair in New York. It was um, in, towards the end of February. Uh-huh. And uh, I go there every year, and I go to – there's also a gift fair in New York that I go to since we do, you know, sell all the way up to grown-up stuff. And then there's Astra, which is um, the American Specialty Toy Retailers Association, which is a conglomerate of independent toy stores through the U.S. and Canada. Um, and they have a show, too, that's actually gotten kind of big, but it travels all around the country. But, um, yeah, New York Toy Fair still happens. It's usually in February. Um, and it's, you know, in the Javits Center, which... How would the experience? Well, okay, so I'll tell you about my first year. <laughs> mm-hmm. My first year going, um, it was actually, you know, a, about a month after Catherine had passed away. So I was still, you know, grieving and um, not really in a super state of mind, but when you think Toy Fair, you know, at least for me, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so much fun. There's going to, I was like, you know, imagining aisles with like glitter and like unicorns hopping around and, you know, people dressed right. like robots and, you know what I mean? Like a big, a big party. Um, and sometimes you'll get a little bit of that, but a lot of times there are some people who, who work in the toy business who are not fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they tend to be right. kind of stodgy old businessmen. Um, mm-hmm. So, and when I first started going, there was like nobody with tattoos or colored hair. So like I would walk in and like the seeds would part, you know. <laughs> no, no, right. They didn't want to talk to me. They didn't know who I was. Um, and, you know, just look like this weird, you know, little kid, like, oh, God, what's going on, even though I was, you know, in my 30s at the time. Um, that has actually changed quite a bit now when I was here the other um, last month. It was, you know, even people in booths had tattoos and colored hair, which was kind of a, a fun little really? thing. Yeah, which, yeah, there's some companies that are kind of like, hey, you know, this is kind of where it's going. And um, But you do get a lot of the smaller toy stores, the owners tend to be older. 
Like maybe it's somebody mm-hmm. who started it when, you know, either they had kids or they were grandparents. Um, so that's actually kind of been a thing where we've been trying to get, you know, younger people involved um, because, you know, you get so many people who go, oh, you tell us not a real job. When are you going to get a real job? Um, where is it a real job? Working in a restaurant is a real job. Working in a store is a real job. Um, pays real so, money. Pay real rent with. Right, yeah. You can buy actual food with this money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, you can take care of your family with this money. It, it's just, it was kind of interesting because it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be the first time. You know, I'd go to a booth and, and want to, you know, like do what we do at the store. Like, hey, we want to figure this out. Let's take it out of the box. Let's figure out, you know, how it works. Let's play with it. Let's see if it's fun. Um, and there were some people who really were not into that, <laughs> even though they're trying right. to sell you something. Um, and then, again, there are people who are really great and really fun. Um, but I think sometimes people get lost in the, oh, my God, it's going to be so much fun, versus the, hey, this is an actual business, and, you know, we do have to order things that, you know, are going to, you know, somebody's going to exchange American money for and want to take home right. for that. We can continue to pay the staff and pay the lights and, you know, all that stuff. So it, it can be really, really fun. Sometimes I come back from there and I've got, you know, sounds of just the most amazing things and I can't stop talking about them and I'm so excited for them to come in. And then there'll be years where you go and every, you'll find something and you're like, yeah, that's really cool. And then you go two booths down and they have the same thing. And then you go, you know, a couple of weeks down you're like, hey, that's the same thing too. Um, so sometimes there's years where, you know, people's inspiration just kind of seems to overlap. Well, car companies do that all the time, I think. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, you, you, it's like finding, you know, ooh, the first minivan, everybody's like, oh, my God, that's the coolest thing ever. And then it's like everybody's got, you know, minivans. <laughs> right. <laughs> to us, it's not as exciting anymore. So I guess as a, a toy buyer, you know, looking for fun, unique things to make people, you know, kind of get really excited about, um, it can be kind of a letdown if everybody has you know, different companies have this a similar variation of the same thing. Um, I will say that in going to those, uh, to both the New York Gift Show and to Toy Fair, I have been able to make friends with uh, some of the smaller companies that maybe I would have only been able to talk to on the phone or through email. So it's kind of interesting to, um, you know, meet the person who's making the toys, who's coming up with the ideas, um, and kind of pick their brain a little bit and see, um, you know, kind of where they're coming from. And then to have them ask, you know, your honest opinion and maybe see how that affects what they do for the next season. So that's that's actually something that I really do enjoy. You know, it's nice when somebody comes in and, you know, maybe we have a handmade doll that's $40 and that's kind of, you know, be expensive for a doll. But if you can say, well, hey, this is made by two sisters in Brooklyn and the reason that they started this company is because, you know, their grandma passed away and they remember the dolls that she used to make them and they decided that they would, you know, kind of follow her pattern and go along. It makes it you know, you go, okay, yeah, cool, I can pay $40 for this doll because there is such a life and a story behind it. It's not just being produced on a, a belt somewhere by, you know, people who are just inserting, like, an arm or something, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that aspect of it I really, really do enjoy. And I really do like finding, um, you know, trying to find new things for the store um, and kind of sometimes being, you know, there's a couple companies that we were the first order that they ever got, you know, because people are kind of scared to take a chance on them just because it's something a little bit different. But, you know, I saw it and was like, oh, my God, it's going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so that's really cool. I mean, so I guess to a certain extent you have to, like, balance, like, what you're excited about with are people going to buy this? And that's kind oh. of 
probably got to be pretty hard to deal with sometimes if there's something that you really, really like. I mean, have you found yourself where you're like, oh, I love this, but there's no way we'll sell this? Oh, yeah, totally. That happens a lot. <laughs> but it's something that I'm like, oh, my God, I would buy that and I would love that. But, you know, I kind of have to think like, you know, it's, or you have to think about the audience that you're, you know, kind of going to. Like, hey, maybe this is a toy that, you know, I find so cool and so interesting, but it's for a three-year-old. Is it, you know, a three-year-old that comes into my store really going to be super excited about this? Or would they be willing to pay, you know, what they're asking for it? Um, right. So, yes, that is something that I do kind of have to, yeah. It's, when you're buying, I can't always buy for myself. <laughs> buy for right. The there is something that I really, really fall in love with and kind of go, mm. ah, I'm not really sure, but I keep coming back to it. Nine times out of ten, if I bring it in, it's something that we sell really well. So I do try to listen to my gut a little bit more, um, you know, than just saying no right away um, if it's something that I continuously linger on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you seem to have a good balance of it because the store has been there for a while. And um, especially with the Internet coming up against it, like, it's still filled with really interesting, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's kind of crazy to, like, think that, like, oh, there's a human being that is deciding what's in here. Like, yeah. that just blows <laughs> my brain when I, cause I started, when I was doing the research for this podcast. I, started, I just thought about that, and I was like, I could literally put three items in a store, probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like when you walk in there and you just realize, like, someone picked everything in here. That's just yeah. that just blows my mind. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because we, you know, you get uh, being a local store, especially you know, we've been around since 1993. Um, mm-hmm. We've been a toy store since 1999. Um, you know, that's a long time, and yeah. if you become known for something, like we're known for lots of little teeny tiny things around the counter. You know, so trying to find those things that are going to be, you know, fun, slightly weird, you know, um, and, uh, you know, relatively inexpensive um, can be difficult, but it's fine. But, you know, there are times where I'm like, oh, God, we're out a little teeny tiny naked baby. How did that happen, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, which it, it does happen. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like I'm trying to keep it. Luckily, we have a really good inventory system because, gosh, there's, there's a lot in the store, and it would be really easy uh, to kind of overlook something or forget something. I was actually telling, um, I went to a local grocery store here, Little House um, Green Grocer from Bellevue, which I love, um, mm-hmm. and I went there the day after work um, to grab some garlic and soup and you know, just little things like that, and I was talking to one of the girls that worked there, and um, because of the snowstorm that's going on on the East Coast, their main uh, grocery distributor uh, from New Hampshire, called them at 4 o'clock to say, hey, that big delivery you're expecting tomorrow, it's not coming, you know, which could wow. be a little teeny tiny store, and that, that's a problem, you know. And I was talking to her, and I'm like, you know, it, being that we've, you know, been around for so long now, it's like sometimes you get known for things. Like we have this smoking donkey, which um, it's from the 1950s, and it's a, a retro, you know, reproduction, and it's a donkey, like a burrow, and you put cigarettes <laughs> in its back. And then when you lift its tail, one cigarette comes out of its butthole. Um, oh, my God. For- yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and we've told it forever. And I was kind of like, you know, nothing's wrong with it. I'm just kind of tired of seeing it. Like, really, people, you know, we've had it for so long. How many people can really be super excited about this? Like, it's probably just one of those white elephant kind of things. So I didn't order it. And the first person that came in asking for it a couple of days after I decided not to order it, I was like, well, yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to get it again, you know, and kind of in my head, like, sorry, buddy, I think, you know, we're going to move on. 
by the time the third and fourth people came in, it was like, oh, gosh, I got this. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, and it's, it's a hard balance between finding things that are 100% new and 100%, you know, wow, and then sticking with things that are, you know, tried and true and um, things that people expect you to have. We have a, you know, a customer request book that we keep and we go through a couple times a week. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. even know and, about that. Okay. Yeah, we have it. So if it's something that we have, you know, or you've seen before that's out of stock, you know, I, I can go, uh, flip through that while I'm placing order and see, like, oh, okay, great, I can need to get more, you know, gray, you know, plush cats from, you know, this company because people are asking about them. But sometimes we'll get really good ideas from people that have come in and said, you know, hey, I saw this thing and I think it's really cool. You know, are you guys ever going to get it? And, you know, my staff's great. And they're like, well, we're not really sure, but we'll write it down. We'll call you if you do. And sometimes I'll flip through that book and find something. And I'm like, yeah, hey, that's a really cool idea. Let me see if I can find it. And sometimes those turn out to be really good, you know, sellers for us. It might have been something that, you know, kind of went under my radar just because I, you know, wasn't, you know, on a Japanese website at 4 a.m. in the morning, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, you know? <laughs> so, um I think I have that luxury of being able to say, like, okay, well, let me try, you know, something totally brand new, something totally quirky um, because my customers want it versus, oh, if I bring in, you know, Hatchimals, I'm going to sell, you know, 144 of them, um, but not really be excited about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I I feel very lucky in that. <laughs> and uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about um Having a doctor that's been, uh, he's on the autistic spectrum. Like you'd mentioned that there were certain things you look for in toys that would be good for um, kids with autism. And autism seems to be something that's being diagnosed more and more. Are there actually like toys that are like geared towards uh, kids on the spectrum? There are. Um, there are, are actually quite a few companies that do come out with things that um, – have been tested, and they get, uh, there's a National Autism Society um, a badge that they can get. Um, mm-hmm. Although sometimes I feel that, um, I found some really awesome ones, but sometimes I think ones that are specifically marketed for that can sometimes be a little too educational. And not meaning educational like learning things, but like a, a certain TTs in school or something that I haven't found to have a very uh, usable at home slash toy use. You know, there's like a this wedge that has different textures on it and they can kind of sit on it and it helps if they want to move around. But, you know, mm. kids on the autism spectrum, kids with special needs are people that have very, you know, like everybody else have very uh, wide interests. They have things they do and do not like. Um, right. You know, you have maybe, you know, a five-year-old who's nonverbal but uh, loves texture or you could have a five-year-old who talks a lot but hates anything that he has to touch. He just wants to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a, a, a child who, well, gosh, he's not a kid anymore. He's a teenager. <laughs> His family's been coming in since he was a little kid. And mm-hmm. this is always something I, when I'm buying toys, I think about him because he has a very unique sense of what he wants and what works for him. And he loves anything that lights up, anything that moves that he does not have to interact with. He just wants to watch it. Um, you know, being a toy store that doesn't oh, wow. run a, have a lot of things that run on batteries, um, it's kind of been a, a, you know, a unique thing to look for for him. And now when they're diagnosing kids so much earlier, we had a family that came in because um, they'd heard, you know, we um, have a lot of toys that are good for uh, special needs kids. And they have a two-year-old who was just recently diagnosed, and they wanted tactile things. 
Now, a lot of the tactile toys that we normally suggest are three and up. So, you know, being a two-year-old uh, and even older, you know, kids want to put things in their mouth, some of the pieces come apart that might be too small. So I met with a sales rep today, and my main goal was to find things that would be useful for her because there's going to be other kids that come in that, you know, need that as well. And I luckily found a few things that I'm really excited about. I can't wait to call it family. <laughs> That's come awesome. In. A lot of those toys are, you know, they're regular toys. It's just how kids are going to be able to interact with them um, and how they want to interact with them. So sometimes, you know, you got to think a little bit outside of the box. And we have uh, an employee who's been on staff for a really long time, and she worked with us full-time when she was in college and grad school, and now she is an early intervention teacher, she is preparing kids from preschool that have special needs to integrate into kindergarten. What she can do is sometimes, you know, tell me about things that have worked for her in a classroom or, you know, something comes in, we'll talk about it and she can say, oh, hey, this is going to be, you know, good for this kind of, um, you know, child or somebody who's looking for this. And that has been incredibly helpful. And a lot of people don't have that, again, the luxury of having that personal kind of service and the um, somebody who cares enough to want to yeah. find those things for kids. That's something that is a newer thing for us because um, mm-hmm. we've always had some things that be like, oh, yeah, well, this will probably work. But now it, it is a focus because we do have so many families who come in. And, you know, we had a, um, an aunt that came in and she said, you know, I, ha- I had a nine-year-old nephew. He's autistic. He's nonverbal. She's like, every year I give him a toy doesn't care about it. It's nothing has worked. Nothing has, you know, caught his attention. And she's like, I really want to give him something to play with. And, you know, her little tears are welling up in her eyes because she you know, can tell she's frustrated and she really wanted something for him. And um, my employee, who is a teacher, you know, worked with her about for about an hour and a half and came up with some things for her. And she came in after the holidays and was like, this is the first time that he ever opened the toy and played with it. And, you know, that's, that's a crazy that's feeling. <laughs> you know, that's it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, one of my favorite things is when somebody walks into the store for the first time and they kind of, like, stop at the door and their eyes get wide and their mouth, you know, gates open. It's like, wow. And that was, you know, a, to me, that's a kid who's been waiting nine years to have that kind of experience. And, you know, that's life-changing. If there's someone that's never been to World of Mirth, what would you recommend them doing? Oh, boy. Um, Don't plan on it being a fast visit. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually the biggest thing where somebody comes in and goes, oh, yeah, we were staying, you know, at a hotel, and they said to come to Carytown, you had to check out, you know, World of Mirth or, you know, they're visiting from somewhere or, or, you know, have friends who are shopped there and like, yeah, you have to go to World of Mirth, you have to go to World of Mirth. And they're like, yeah, I thought I was going to spend about 20 minutes. You're like, yeah, no. (laughs) It's just so much to look at, um, you know, and you never know what you're going to find, basically. Um, And you never know what you're going to find that's going to um, affect you. So I would just say, you know, plan some time. Come and hang out. Um, don't be afraid to talk to the staff because we will talk to you. And uh, just come in and have a good time. So I would be remiss without mentioning what happened to Catherine and her family. Um, yeah. They so, yeah. were the victims of a horrific crime. And um, I, I've, I've had things in my past where I've, um, like my band, for instance, uh, my 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 uh, first band that really I kind of did something with um, uh, my bass player was killed in a car accident when I was like 16, when he was 16. 
Mm. And we ended up with this record, and I didn't want his life to kind of be with not a record, so I felt this obligation to kind of always carry it in the catalog of whatever label I've run since then. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, maybe a little bit, (laughs) can kind of maybe relate to the situation. You're taking this person's life work and Mm -hmm. trying to continue it on that path. Right. Um, Yeah, I tend to think of it as her first child. Right. You know, because it was before her two children were born. So, um, that's not a legacy that I take lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of times where if I'm kind of on the fence about something, I just kind of go, well, what, you know, what would Catherine do? Which is, right. you know, kind of silly. Um, but also is a good way to kind of keep me in line with, you know, the trajectory for the store and what I think, you know, her vision slash now my vision is. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, you feel that kind of um, – protective essence where, you know, like, you know, your bandmate and your friend, you wanted, you wanted his work to, you know, be out there and let people know kind of what he did. And, um, I feel the same way with, with her. Um, I do know that after my friend passed, um, we kind of cocooned, like me mm-hmm. and my little crew kind of cocooned and we ended up gathering on his porch every day. And that and it was, yeah. we really needed a safe place. And it sounds like maybe that kind of, motivated y'all for opening back up. Yeah, well, you know, for like we were closed for two weeks, but we were all there every single day. And, right. you know, we it was just to be there. And we never even talked about it. We just all showed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of, it was just something that we all kind of needed. And I think, too, that having that kind of time to, you know, just kind of, I don't, I don't want to say accept our new reality because sometimes I still don't accept it. But, um I think that helped to kind of be able to go, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, do we want to, you know, do we want to close the store or do we want to try to keep, you know, the memory alive and still going? And it was a, you know, resounded, yeah, we're going to keep going. So I think that um, helped kind of want my wanting to, uh, you know, keep keep the name going, keep the, the legacy going and um, try to make it a happy place because it always was. It was always, a, you know, a happy place. Before I worked there, I would go in and hang out on my day off. You know, I would work 60, 70 hours a week. And my one day off, I would always go there. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for talking to me, Thea. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Various Things. I'd like to thank Thea for taking the time to talk with me. To keep up with Thea and World of Mirth, follow World of Mirth, one word, on your favorite social media platform. To hear more podcasts like this one, visit variouspodcast.com and feel free to follow us on Facebook to keep up to date with the latest episode. Thanks for listening.